This is Not Quite Dead, a gal pal horror movie discussion podcast. We do deep dives on our favorite scary movies, but sometimes we really just like to keep it shallow. I'm your host, Kate. I'm Megan. Get ready for all the spoilers. Megan, what is your favorite Steven Spielberg movie? Oh, wow. Do I like Steven Spielberg movies? That is the question. Um, oh, easy. Okay. Jurassic Park. Yeah. Like, hands down. Yeah. I was going to say, he's made so many movies <laughs> that even if you don't like him, there's probably at least, like, one or two that you have to like. I know. It's just that he's... Oh no, he's not Avatar. Never mind. <laughs> that's James Cameron. Oh, that's so funny. You know, I like Steven Spielberg, but he had a little tantrum about streaming services being part of the Oscars and award season. And I was like, well, fuck you, dude. Time's mm. a changing. Yeah. <laughs> and then a he promptly started working for Apple. Of course. TV. Of course. Got dollar signs in his eyes. I also love Jurassic Park. That one's probably my favorite, too. The movie we're talking about here, Poltergeist, is not technically a Steven Spielberg-directed movie, but his grimy little fingerprints are all over it. Oh, yeah. And he may as well have directed it. Did you did you read anything about why he's not credited as director? Well, I know he was a writer, mm -hmm. but I don't know why he's not specifically noted as director. He was filming E.T. while oh. this movie yeah. was in production, and he was contractually obligated to not direct any other movies while E.T. was in production. And so he wrote the story. He handpicked the director and produced this movie and from all accounts he visited set almost every single day and had an extremely strong hand in the creative direction of this movie like overriding some of the shop shots that Tobe Hooper did who's the director of this so mm -hmm. much so that some people think that Spielberg should have gotten at least co-director credit, if not just outright director credit for this movie. I could sense Steven Spielberg all over it. This Tobe, this Tobe fellow, what else has he done? Oh my God, Megan. He is like a horror superstar. <laughs> what the heck? What the heck, Steven? So Steven Spielberg picked Tobe Hooper because he was the director of the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Oh, yeah. And a bunch of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre sequels. He also did Salem's Lot and just a ton of 80s horror movies. And here he is doing this PG-13 Steven Spielberg romp. That's great. I get a lot of creep factor from this movie even though it's pg-13 but i also get a ton of steven spielberg factor it's very et feeling yeah it's just like really dripping with steven spielberg like 
nostalgia of youth and the family unit and like, you know, child oriented plots. It's like always what I think of, of like Steven Spielberg is like, even if the movie isn't like only about kids, it has like a really strong lens around like childhood. Mm-hmm. And it makes the movie feel like really tonally all over the place because occasionally you do have some like scary, gross, creepy things. And that feels like Tobe Hooper, like the guy who did Texas Chainsaw Massacre. And then you get like 25 minutes of straight Spielberg, like family joshing around. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Speaking of which, I love the family in this. They're so cute. Mm -hmm. I'm always rooting for them, which is a shocker. The cast for this movie, I didn't recognize anybody and then realized. Really? I know, I know. And then realized that Craig T. Nelson. Craig T. Nelson. Yes. Yeah. I did not recognize him as a younger man. <laughs> yeah, he was in Coach. I used to watch that on yeah. TV. And he's Mr. Incredible. Mm-hmm. He's another thing. This movie sort of put him on the map. He was still sort of small at the time that this came out. I do admit that none of the other yeah. actors, no. but I mean, two of them are dead. Sure. So you wouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> Rude. This movie was an absolute smash hit. I just like cannot get over how much money it made for the time. So oh, wow. this yeah. came out in 1982. 40 years ago. 40 Guys. years ago. That's it's a crazy. 40 year old movie. Almost half a century. You know what's funny is when I think about 40 year old movies, I'm like, oh, the 50s, the golden <laughs> age of Hollywood. <laughs> <laughs> not like 1982. Not that far ago. <laughs> yeah, not that long ago. The gross for this movie was $121 million, which. I checked the inflation rate of $121 oh, million in 1982 dollars to today's money, and it is about equivalent to $370 million. What? Yeah. That is so much money that this movie made. It's a huge amount. No of wonder money. they made two sequels. Right? Yeah. I know. And they probably made a ton of money outside of box office sales, just given how much fucking product placement there was in this movie. (laughs) Oh, yeah. I did spot a little Jeffrey Giraffe. R.I.P. Toys R Us. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. This movie was just like splattered with products all over the place. It's kind of a funny, like, I don't know. I couldn't tell if it was commentary or if it was just them trying to make a buck on the movie. That's very 80s, right? Shove a bunch of IP make a buck without having to worry about if your movie sucks (laughs) well maybe we should get a very quick plot so we can start diving into some of our deeper topics sure thing this movie takes place in the early 80s the freeling family lives in a planned community all right what happens in this movie um (laughs) And their baby gets sucked up into a TV. The end. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, Carol Ann, the cute little toe-headed five-year-old daughter, gets sucked into the TV. The family brings in their own kind of version of Ghostbusters to 
try and suss out whether the house is haunted, if there's a poltergeist, ghosts at work here. Uh, so they can try and free Carol Ann, their cute little daughter, um, from the clutches of this like liminal space accessed through the TV. And they eventually have to bring in another like psychic cleaner into the house in order to really get to the root of the problem, which is that uh, it's a planned community in the 80s, which means that this place was built on top of um, a bunch of bodies. Um. (laughs) (laughs) That's just a thing that happened in the 80s. Oh my gosh. It's such a trope. It's so funny. And yeah, I mean, there's a lot of paranormal stuff that happens in this one. Uh, And at the same time, we mentioned earlier that there's a lot of like tonal dissonance happening in here too, um, because in between a lot of the paranormal, creepy, trying to get their daughter back stuff, it's kind of just like everyday life of a very American 80s family. This family got along really well, which I'm not always used to seeing, even though the kids sometimes bicker or they're fighting over toys or... They're throwing food at the kitchen table. The parents are very patient and the parents really love and support each other, which I really liked. I really like the family dynamic in here. I love that the parents, you know, once they finally get all the kids to bed after a long day, they're like hanging on bed, rolling joints together and and watching TV. Dream. And kind of joking and teasing and flirting with each other like they have a really cute marriage when Stephen and diane are in the bedroom hanging out together a lot of that's ad-libbed like him checking his stomach in the mirror and them like playing while rolling the joint that must have been so funny at the time for kids who didn't realize that parents smoke weed (laughs) i was thinking about how This is only 1982, so they would have been, you know, in their teens and 20s in the 70s. These people were definitely smoking pot in the 70s. Like, they didn't just, like, age out of that. So I thought it was a really cute dynamic. They have a very normal-feeling household. Mm -hmm. Like, their house feels like a house you would have seen as a kid right like with all the stuff in it and how the kids stuff is all over and the kids rooms are kind of like chaotic and the way that kids rooms are I think that even the like the picking on each other uh, between the siblings is not like so overdone yeah but they're also not like I love you big brother like they're not like overly mushy either like it just strikes a really good balance It felt really realistic. I liked when the medium is telling the dad, hey, you need to get Carol Ann to listen so that she comes out of this place. And he's like, okay, Carol Ann, it's your dad. Listen, right? And she's like, no, threaten her with a spanking. And he's like, I don't spank my kids. (laughs) And I was like, that's great. Good for you. <laughs> I know. That's, that part was so sweet. And even the dad was like a little bit offended that the mom was like, oh, Stephen's more of a Let's disciplinarian. <laughs> yeah. He's like, what? No, I'm not. <laughs> I love how they <clears throat> I love how they started fighting about it. It was so cute. Yeah. 
And I love that last kiss before she goes into the unknown. Mm -hmm. It feels so real. It does. They have like a real genuine love, it feels like. It is really nice to see. And I feel like that's the Steven Spielberg touch is like he's a sentimental filmmaker. Mm -hmm. And so you don't Mm -hmm. really see in the family unit like tension. Not until like maybe his later movies. But like at this time like – it's still pretty wholesome. I did feel like there was like a particular early 80s flavor to this movie. There was a lot of oh, yeah. old-timey <laughs> stuff going on. <laughs> uh, there was Star Wars everywhere. Dripping in Star Wars. <laughs> yeah. Like bed sheets, uh, the little boy's room had like a Darth Vader bank or something behind his bed and in a poster I, and a Chewbacca and sweater. So many shots. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A lot of IP dropping here. So funny. You don't normally see like stuff getting cross referenced quite so heavily these days. No, you really don't. I also thought the smoking indoors was a bit outdated. I mean, I know people smoke pot more often than they smoke cigarettes inside, but I'm not used to seeing smoking, period. I I live in California. I live in the Bay Area. Nobody's allowed to smoke inside any bars. You got to be like 20 feet from the sides of your buildings in our apartment. You've got to go walk to the street if you want to have a cigarette, right? So I'm just very used to smoking being not near people right and it was really funny for me to see these two lighting a joint in their bedroom of all places yeah it was funny were there guys smoking inside too during the the football game when they're watching the the football match oh I don't want to say yes or no but I wouldn't disbelieve it the football scene was pretty funny I mean it kind of Made me yes. feel like the dad was going to be more of a certain type of guy than he ended up being. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You think he's going to be this like lunkhead, right? Mm-hmm. He's he's just a very supportive husband as it turns out. Zach was watching this with me. And when we got to the scene, he was like, I've never been around a group of guys like this. This is insane. <laughs> like them screaming and yelling at the TV and whatever freaking out about the neighbor changing the channel. And I was like, Zach, did you hear about the Tubi commercial controversy that happened this Super Bowl? (laughs) Have you heard about that? Only vaguely. It was a commercial that made it seem like a channel got changed or something. I learned about this from Reddit because I did not really pay attention to football this year. I was very sad about that. But this happened. There's this commercial from Tubi. It's a station and they made it look like the channel had changed to their station and people flipped out because they thought somebody in the room had changed the channel away from the Super Bowl in the middle of the Super Bowl. And there were some funny stories like, oh, my friend walked into the room at the right time and we all pointed at them and we're like, what did you do? <laughs> or everybody was like looking under their seat to see if they sat on it. And then there were some dark stories like, oh, my boyfriend got really mad at me and punched a hole in the wall. Oh, so fuck. I broke up with him. Oh, God. 
And I was like, Zach, I'm sure there are many, many people just like this. Yeah. Dark. Wow. A little bit. I thought it was really funny that this was a really nice planned community and they're cable splitting amongst like three or four houses. Oh my God. I know. That's been going on for so long. My parents totally ripped off direct TV. There was like a card or something you could put into the console and get all the different channels. It's just so funny how that's been going on for so long. I know. Netflix is so mad about password sharing and it's like people <laughs> will find a way. People are creative. Netflix, you canceled the OA. Fuck you, Netflix. <laughs> <laughs> One of the old-timey things that I did not love in this movie, uh, quick sidebar, it was hard for me to tell how old everyone was in this movie because I mm. wasn't sure if it was the 80s effect of like, oh, everyone's smoking and sunbathing, so <laughs> maybe they're older than I think they are or younger than I think they are. Uh, so I was thankful that later in the movie, they actually give a rundown on how old everybody is, <laughs> very explicitly. Yeah, we I know where you're heading with this. <laughs> so I thought the teen daughter was 14. She looked like a 14-year-old. So <laughs> yeah. with that in mind, I was so grossed out by the pool construction workers oh, man. hitting on her. And then the mom. And it's supposed to be comedy. And the mom like laughing it off as she's watching through the window. Wow. You know, she's 16 in the movie, actually. But she and the looks actress 14. Is, <laughs> yes. She looks super young. But she's supposed to be 16. And the actress is actually like 22 oh, wow. or oh, something. Okay. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? It is. But I saw that and I was like, ugh. <laughs> what am I supposed to think about this? this right now but I like that she flipped them off mm -hmm. and was like I'm not doing this with you because it is a it is a tough world out there for us girls it was very bizarre <laughs> given the ages we did the math and the mom was 18 when she had their daughter <laughs> what yeah okay because okay. the mom's that makes 34 sense. they don't look that old what mm -hmm. that's right mm -hmm. She's 34. She's younger than me. And she's got three kids. I can't imagine, Kate. I know. And she looks hot. Oh, my gosh. She's got a smoking bod. She does have a smoking bod. And she's nice. What a catch. Dude, yeah. This mom, I loved how she went into experimentation mode as soon as she figured out there was something supernatural oh, happening in the kitchen. And she was like, all right, I'm stra strapping a football helmet onto my daughter and letting her slide around the kitchen. <laughs> look, look at this. I know she has like no fear when her husband comes home. She's like, you've got to see this, which t again, tonally makes you question what kind of movie this is. Yes, definitely. Finally, I totally forgot that TV used to just like turn off. It's important how they start the movie with the national anthem right before it goes to static. It's an establishing shot of how important TVs are, but it was also a reminder of what time period we're in. Like you don't not ever not have TV or you don't ever not have TV. We'll say. 
these days. Okay, I have to admit that with the movie opening with the national anthem and then the shot of the TV, I was like, what kind of social commentary is going on here? No. And then (laughs) after like a minute, I was like, oh, wait. TV used to not be 24 hours a day. I wonder if it's referencing that. And then that's, of course, what it was. It was that the TV was turning off. So it was funny. And I think that not only is it like a signifier of the time period, but I think also just how important television is to this whole movie. Like, the movie's really mm-hmm. bookended by TV scenes. Like, the movie opens with the yes. TV going off, and then the movie ends with the family at the motel with the dad, like, throwing the TV out of the yeah. room. <laughs> Which was a great scene. It was a great way to end the movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, TV used to just, like, be off from about midnight to 6 a.m. So if you woke up in the middle of the night and you couldn't get back to sleep, you were stuck with reading a book or jerking off, I guess. That's about it. Those were your choices. I really liked in that establishing shot how the TV was playing while everyone is asleep. Like it's just like kind of a family Mm -hmm. pastime almost to just like watch the TV until there's no more TV to watch. Mm -hmm. And just pass out. Mm -hmm. Hanging out with with your family. I was like immediately with how the movie opened thinking, okay, TV is a big part of this movie. We all know the iconic scene of Carol Ann in front of the staticky Mm -hmm. TV and then turning to the audience and going, they're here. They're here. Oh my gosh. Iconic, right? And so I was thinking of all the TV shots that we get. I mean, we've got the little girl talking to the TV through the static a couple of times before, you know, anything big happens. We mentioned the football game that the guys are watching. Um, a part I thought that was really funny was when Diane says to Carol Ann that she's going to ruin her eyes by looking at the TV static. So then she just turns it to a war movie. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like the way I learned it was your suit. You're too close to the TV. That's going to ruin your yes. eyes. Like static, be damned. It didn't matter. I just, yeah, I laughed out loud at that as well. <laughs> <laughs> what a good mom moment. So good. <laughs> I do love this mom, yeah. Really quickly, Carol Ann is just a tiny little angel. Doesn't she look adorable? She's the cutest she kid. She is so cute. And I think that her being so cute and then being the main victim of this story is like really effective horror. When Carol Ann gets sucked into the TV and then into the like liminal space in the house, at first the family is frantically running around trying to figure out where Carol Ann went in the chaos of the house. Oof. And at first they think, oh, she she's under the rubble and the wreckage of this room. And they're all like, oh my God, she's been crushed. And then they think, oh, no, we were all outside. Maybe she's drowned in the pool. And I was like, oh, my God. Like, as a parent, you would just be like, what if she's been drowning in the pool while we were inside looking through the rubble trying to find her? Like, it's just like nightmare after nightmare. 
It is a nightmare. Yeah. And I don't even have kids. When I thought the mom's delivery on that line was just perfect and like gut wrenching Mm -hmm. because the thought of losing a kid like that is just, I mean, a thought of losing a kid is just awful, but to, to be so close and to think, oh, my kid just drowned. Awful. Yeah. Horrible. And like Carol Ann being this like little angel, (laughs) this perfect, cute little (laughs) angel. Yeah. And them trying to talk to her you know, through the TV, you know, trying to get her and bring her back, all like very effective. And being stuck in the TV, like in general, is crazy because what does that even mean, Kate? I. How do they find her? I know. It's intentionally vague, which I appreciate. Like, Mm-hmm. That, you know, why is it affecting electricity? Why is it affecting the TV? They're able to move all kinds of objects. They're able to even like kind of not astral project, but like they have a form that you can see periodically, like the kind of wispy hands coming out of the TV static at the beginning of the movie. Mm-hmm. So. I like that there's not like a real answer and that it's just kind of like hand wavy, like, oh, the land is cursed. <laughs> and they're I love that they I love that they don't show us what Carol Ann sees mm-hmm. and and Diane. I don't need to know. It's creepy enough just imagining it. Like it could just be a big black room and that would be creepy. Yes. Yeah. Let's get into the ghost creepy shit creepy stuff let's do it because there's some really effective creepiness in here but then also some stuff i thought that was a little bit cheesy um Mm -hmm. the hands (laughs) that i just mentioned (laughs) well we start off with a dead bird which is probably like a one out of ten on the creep factor but you know that this is like canary in the coal mine type of metaphor happening here and it's pointed out for a reason. Mm-hmm. Side note, also the bird is about to get flushed down a toilet. I was like, what is that? I was like, okay, it turns out that I have a line over what kind of animal can be flushed down the toilet. <laughs> Not a bird. Not a bird. That clog it. It's so right? big. Almost certainly. I I was like, is this a thing from the 80s or is this mom just out of her mind? I know. And then they bury it like later. At least do the garbage disposal, you know? Mm -hmm. I was kidding. (laughs) (laughs) That'd be pretty dramatic. God, Kate. (laughs) Feathers flying everywhere in the kitchen. (laughs) Levi's like, mom, my bird. (laughs) The only thing um, that is inaccurate about that scene is that I will never have a bird. I'm never allowing birds <laughs> right. in my house. Oh, man. Birds. Also, she stood there for like so oh, long. Man. I know. Like, slowly placing it over the toilet. <laughs> she wanted to get caught. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there were some red herrings at the beginning that are supposed to kind of freak you out that don't 
come to fruition until later in the movie. So I guess it's like a red herring at the beginning or maybe foreshadowing, but the tree during the storm, you know, the kids are all spooked by the thunderstorm happening. That was a creepy tree. Yeah. Though. Yeah. I mean, did you see its face? Yeah, it had a face. (laughs) It was awful. The clown doll. (laughs) The clown doll comes back at the end and I'm like, why did you guys pack up your entire house, but not this horrifying clown doll? Also, why do you have this clown doll? It sucks. I can't imagine having to face that nightmare every night before I go to bed. I swear to God. So like as a parent, I'm in charge of like everything that goes into or comes out of Levi's room. And I know that there will be a point where that changes. But like (laughs) until that day, I'm going to be drawing a hard line on creepy toys like there's not gonna be anything in that room that I could be like if I saw that in the dark it would scare me (laughs) I'm gonna send you a big Pennywise to sit in a rocking chair (laughs) oh man so it's been a while since I've seen this movie but it was funny to me I forgot how many specific poltergeist scenes were spoofed in scary movie oh you're right yeah you're right now I'm trying to think. The clown, the clown at the end. Uh, yeah. yeah. It's his dick, remember, at the, in That's Scary right. Movie. Right. Yeah. How could I forget? I know, right? The dog reacting to greebles. That's always a, a good creep. Oh, creepy so thing. so good. Okay. I loved, 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 loved the chair is getting pulled out and the mom being annoyed and then turning and then a second later turning back and the chair is stacked on top of the table. I got goosebumps watching it. Yeah. So good. Yeah. There's no way to explain that one. Nope. You know, like this whole intro, you're trying to make sense of what's happening and there's very easy reasons for the chairs being pulled out, right? Or the dog barking at a wall that happens all the time. Animals do that all the time. And there's no way to explain all chairs piled up on top of the table within less than five seconds. It's just not possible. And it's so immediately convincing to the mom. The mom's just like, okay, we're going to do some experiments. And then the dad gets home. Get out the helmet. Yeah, the dad gets home and then he's bought in immediately too. Like I just like how we skip over a lot of the skepticism yes. until yes. later in the movie, which we'll get, yeah. we'll get to in a second. They do a good job of making Craig T. Nelson look like shit too, which I would imagine we all would. I know. He, how can you sleep in this crazy house? He looks haggard. I think the big moment that we have with the poltergeist is when the tree attacks through the kid's window and tries to pull them out. Terrifying. Yeah. And I, at first you're watching it and I'm like, oh, is this one of those sequences where it's just a dream and they all wake up and it's like, no, this kid is being carried out by a tree and it's chalked up to an earthquake because the whole house is shaking and it's just sort of a mess. And that's the story they tell everybody, but it's clearly not an earthquake making the tree come alive and bust through the window and steal your kid in order to distract you from stealing your other kid. What a mess. It is a mess. The 
possible dream sequence, we get an actual kind of hallucination dream sequence when our version of the Ghostbusters come into this movie. One of the guys Mm. is weirdly skeptical about what's going on. And he then has... He has no excuse. He has no excuse. I mean, there is so much like hard proof. Like they open the door to the kid's room. This is the other cheesy sequence that I did not love. (laughs) The like horrible computer animated like stuff floating around the room. (laughs) Oh, yes. That was a bunch of like green screening, right? Must have been, yeah. And it didn't look terrible. Like you couldn't see the green in the screen. But it was very like batteries not included and back to the future. Very 80s Mm -hmm. um, look to it. So even though he's seen this, he's like not convinced that it's poltergeist. And then we get this like insane sequence that I was like, oh, Steven Spielberg was not on set this day. Like this is a Tobe Hooper move because he first goes into the kitchen and there's a raw steak on the counter. (laughs) And I wrote in my notes, meat becoming more meat. (laughs) (laughs) Actually, Steven Spielberg was on set that day. Was he? Oh my gosh, because the yes. that and then the part where he's in the bathroom and is like yeah. ripping his own face off. I was like, this is not a Steven Spielberg move. Goofy. Goofy and it didn't look real. It looked so bad. I I wrote this down as like the worst special effect in the movie because it's just not believable looking. But the way they did it is actually really cool. Hmm. If you buy the movie, there's a little uh, vignette about the making of, and they they briefly talk about the special effects in this movie, which we'll get into. But um, that scene was pretty cool because they had this fake face. Looked like shit, right? It doesn't look like a real face at all, but working with it seems fun. And it would just peel away, and they had tubes coming up like from behind the face, uh, that would push out more meat. So as you would pull away the skin, yeah. more meat would come out and just fall and melt off. Oh, man. And it was just a big meaty mess okay. all over the sink. It could have yeah. been done really well. I'm sure it could have. And it sounds fun. Like making this effect sounds really cool, but it didn't look good. <laughs> it looked pretty bad. Oh, man. I just think that... There are some parts of this movie that could have gone, like, a lot more horror. Like, had they, like, gone a little extra on this scene, it would have been really, really gruesome. It would not be PG-13, but it would have been really effective. It reminded me a lot of Oculus, the, like, pulling off your own skin, seeing things that aren't actually there. Like, I was like, oh, these, these poltergeists aren't just manipulating the physical world, but also what this guy is seeing. And the psychological stuff is always really interesting to me. What was some other creepy stuff that you liked? I liked the ghosts that were guarding the bedroom doors. I think we it sort of changes throughout the movie. There's At some point, she opens the door just a little bit, and she just hears screams and gasps and stuff. And it turns into this big skeleton lion thing that's like guarding the door that she can't 
deal with, right? And I really love that uh, poltergeist. I think it's it's really creepy. It's really, it's not something you can contend with. It's just a big monster blocking your door. <laughs> what about you? My favorite creepy scene is a sequence of scenes at the very end of the movie with Diane. You think they're safe. You think that now that they've got Carol Ann back, that everything's going to be fine. They're all kind of in their respective rooms. Dad's gone. Dana's gone. And the poltergeists attack, like, everyone individually. And when they attack the mom, they, like, pull her up against the ceiling and, like, drag her along Mm -hmm. the ceiling and then eventually, like, throw her out of the house. And she ends up in the pool. And that's when, like, all of the bodies that the house has been buried on, all the skeletons come out and, like, are, like, bobbing in the water around her as she's, like, screaming for her kids to, like, run. Horrible. So it's a really, like cool sequence i think the effect of her being dragged along the ceiling is really cool it's done really well my favorite piece of movie trivia is related to the pool scene which is that Mm. those skeletons in the pool were real skeletons (laughs) real skeletons (laughs) oh my god we should talk about the special effects in this movie please pool skeletons weren't even special effects (laughs) they're just skeletons hanging out I know and she didn't know about it until after (laughs) yeah I wouldn't want to know about that apparently they were like science classroom skeletons that were used for anatomy lessons but sure they're still Still. real skeletons that were tossed into (laughs) dirty water with her (laughs) peat moss water yeah she said that uh the mud was made out of peat and that it started to smell like dog shit the longer you were dealing with Horrible. it. Horrible. Which must have been real fun to work with. I swear. I hear about people talking about what it's like on set. And I'm like, I would never want to be an actor because I would be like, I'm not doing any water scenes. I'm not doing any <laughs> nude scenes. I'm, I would be like such yeah. a diva about things that they would be like, okay, I guess we're never working with you. Right. Yeah, I know they have to put up with so much shit. Craig T. Nelson was saying how he had to come to work and he'd be just wet all day. So he kind of just stopped getting dressed and taking showers (laughs) because there was no point in doing that. (laughs) The special effects were done by George Lucas's company at the time, Industrial Light and Magic. And supposedly there were special effects in every sequence, either optical or practical. Oh, wow. As as stated in the little tiny vignette, if you buy the movie, so that's pretty cool. I, I mean, and I didn't realize there were so many special effects until I started watching it again, and I was like, oh yeah, they're constantly dealing with sets and set pieces and CGI or whatever the equivalent is at the time, right? Green screen and things like that. So many ghosts. We talked about the nerd's face melting and peeling, how that was done. Mm -hmm. We kind of talked about those weird things floating around the room, how that was green screened. And the skeletons in the pool are real. Um, 
let's talk about the tree. Why not? Yeah, let's do it. The tree was a rubber tree. Pretty safe, right? Mm-hmm. It's kind of like Treebeard holding the little hobbits. They actually wrapped real thorns around this tree. <laughs> like, not rubber thorns. <laughs> like, why? See? Like, actors are just at the mercy of, like, the set designers. <laughs> it's a rough life (laughs) I think one of my favorite sequences was the throat of the beast and when I first saw it I called it the vagina of the beast because that's of course where my mind went I mean it's a little vaginal yonic as they say it could also be an intestine yeah I don't know Mm -hmm. but that was a miniature that they built yeah that they superimposed with the closet they did not build a closet-sized vagina for this thing. <sighs> if only. We were talking about the mom rolling around the room walls earlier. That scene is actually filmed like in a stationary position because the entire room itself is built on a rig mm. where it tumbles slowly and she is just sort of falling around this room like a pair of socks in the washing machine (laughs) or dryer and the film crew are attached to the room so they are turning with the room as it's happening pretty cool that is cool i know other movies have done things like that i think i want to say gravity did something really similar for their effects as well yes See, I remember Sandra Bullock talking about some of the effects she did on that movie and her kid being on the set with her and freaking out, thinking that it was really happening to her, like getting scared for her safety. The actress who plays Diane in this film talked about how she was like bleeding while they were filming this scene because she's just tumbling around this room. It's so brutal. Uh, yeah. This, this movie seemed like a tough one to film for. So the houses in this movie look like any house you could find in the San Fernando Valley, California, or any suburb in, I want to say, the the western region of the United States kind of look like this. You'd think, oh, great, Hollywood is near all this stuff. You can just go grab a house, rent it, film all your stuff in it, and move on. But the way that this house has to be demolished um it's it doesn't blow up it's an implosion it has to get sucked in through like a a hole they had to build a new house they had to build all new sets to film within this house in general and then for the implosion they actually had to build a miniature rig it up so that they could get the effect that they needed so even though this house is like any other cookie cutter house you'd see in in the Southern California area, it was totally remade and it cost over $25,000 at the time to make this little house. Whoa. Oh man. So the purchasing power from 1982 to today is about three X. So that would be 75 K just for like this one effect for a miniature. Wow. Yeah. And Steven Spielberg kept the bits and pieces from this implosion model and it's like 
encased in a plastic like cube and he keeps it on his grand piano oh that's so cool (laughs) yeah (laughs) I love that actually (laughs) at least as of 2005 Kate do you know the difference between a poltergeist and a haunting in the movie don't they try and say that like a haunted house is like random and can last for like years or something and that a poltergeist is like it's like an individual spirit like not related to the land I don't know you gotta enlighten me because I'm just stabbing in the dark here I mean yes that's what the movie said (laughs) and (laughs) we can have our own opinions on what these things are right and the lore behind them but what I was seeing on the internets was in general that a haunting is yeah like a ghost that's you may see it in a house it may do things but it's just kind of chilling it's just sort of stuck there but a poltergeist is like fucking with shit and making noise Mm -hmm. and like pushing you down the stairs (laughs) or throwing you out windows it's violent violent okay so yeah so poltergeist is just it's just a little more, it's got a little more vibrancy in its attitude. Yeah. That makes sense. And I feel like that's very thematically appropriate for this movie because they're like very, very so. capricious. I mean, there is a lot, a lot of ghosts in this movie. And then there's like this really evil one that they just call the beast. Yes. Which I was like. What is the beast? I mean, I was like, Satan? (laughs) Right. I was like, is that the devil? (laughs) That's scary. Like, I want to make a bigger deal out of this. Right. I know. (sighs) I wrote down her name. I am not going to pronounce this correctly, but the medium who comes in, it looks like vagina. It's tangina. (laughs) Let's go with it. (laughs) Let's say tangina and not tangina. I don't want to be safe. Okay. Yeah, she... But I do love Tangina. I know. She came on screen and I was like, oh, are we in a David Lynch movie now? (laughs) But (laughs) she is just like, oh, there's this malevolent spirit that's keeping Carol Ann. We'll call him the beast. And I wanted to be like, Tangina, we reserve that for the devil. Like, (laughs) Yeah, what does this even mean? Poor Carol Ann. She's cool. I love this medium. She's like not taking any shit she knows exactly what she's doing she's fucking weird yeah she's fun she seems to have the appropriate reverence for what's going on in this house exactly dr lesh who was there first also seemed to get it she was like oh this is above my pay grade i'm gonna bring in Mm -hmm. the medium i work with to deal with this oh my god pay grade yes what how much could this have cost i mean how much do these people cost we should look that up by the end of the season i know we'll have to do it next time maybe oh man i'm sure that there are people out there sound expensive yeah i know in the 80s it was probably like i don't know 400 bucks or something which people would have been yeah, like oh my god like ten thousand my mortgage today. yeah, yeah. <laughs> my parents rent was 125 bucks a month oh my god 
in the 80s. It doesn't even matter what size their house was. It's ridiculous. Side note. <laughs> <laughs> That's what we're working with, people. <laughs> well, Meg, would you recommend this movie? Always. Always, always, always. This is a great movie. It's a classic. It's scary. I think it's scary, Kate. I get creeped out by this movie. I do think it probably could have gone darker, but I really enjoy everybody being afraid of their own house in this movie. And I'm rooting for all the characters, so it's a good time. I also recommend this movie. Um, I don't find it scary, but I do find it very entertaining. And I think it's like actually holding up pretty well. Like it's dated, but it's enjoyable to watch. Yeah. Yeah. Did it make you afraid of TVs at all? The static on a TV? No, it did not. Did the ring? No. Did any TV hormone? All right. VHS. <laughs> no, I don't think so. Oh man. No. The horror I find oh, scary so is white noise. No. <laughs> All right. Nope. We're not afraid of TVs here, guys. Nope. <laughs> We've got plenty of other things to be afraid of. <laughs> Thanks for checking out this episode with us. And don't forget to turn your TV off before you go to bed at night. This was Not Quite Dead. Check out our other episodes wherever you listen to podcasts. Follow us on Instagram at Not Quite Dead Podcast and on Twitter at NQD underscore podcast. Follow our blog for bonus content at notquitedeadpodcast.com. Thanks for listening. And happy watching. <laughs>